This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. This is our second episode for Minor Blues Month here where we're going over three strategies for improvising over a minor blues as well as the last fourth episode being my practice plan for really mastering and diving deep into a minor blues. And in last episode, we talked about strategy number one, which was using minor pentatonics and the blues scale to improvise. And on that episode, I basically composed on the spot an etude over a 12-bar minor blues using almost exclusively just those two tools. Now, in today's episode, we're going to take that exact same etude and add strategy number two to it and start doing a little bit of recomposition. And strategy number two is all about using chord tones and modes and scales to start adding some more color and dimension to this important song form. You ready for this? This is going to be a fun one. Let's do it. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. What's up, everybody? Brent here from LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, and videos geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. This is uh, our second episode of Minor Blues Month, as I just mentioned, and I'm excited about this month because who does not love a minor blues? And not only is it an enjoyable song form to play over top of, not only is it just fun to just blues out, right? It's an important song form. You know, a regular blues is an important song form. It really contains a lot of the harmony and movements and important things. And it's, you know, jazz is really rooted in the blues. But we oftentimes neglect the minor blues, which is is equally important because in jazz standards, it's packed full of minor harmony, right? Like we have minor two, five, one chord progressions, minor one, six, two, five chord progressions. We have tunes that are in minor keys. And oftentimes we feel lost over how to improvise over minor harmony. And the minor blues is the perfect song form that if we can gain some mastery, gain a lot of control over top of it, it could really explode our playing and help you know take away some of those question marks when improvising over minor harmony. So in last episode, as mentioned, we started an etude. We started uh, composing an etude, and it was all about the minor pentatonic and the blues scale. And I really tried to, you know, as best as I could, stick to those two tools. But in today's episode, we're going to start upping the ante a little bit, and we're going to start working with chord tones, and we're going to start working with some scales that we can start using as pitch collections to add a little bit more color, a little bit more dimension, a little bit more spice to this etude. So this is really exciting. Before we dive in to that, uh, this is all leading up to the launch of my brand new course on October 25th, 2020 called Minor Blues Accelerator. Now, this is a practice program course, which makes uh, a lot of the courses I come out with are practice programs. They're not just, you know, a bunch of random exercises and content to work through. I mean, that's kind of what makes some of my courses unique. 
And in this course, we're going to work towards minor blues mastery. We're going to be working on uh, etudes, blues heads, and a bunch of exercises. And we're going to take all that stuff into all 12 keys. And not only that, with a community of other like-minded musicians playing all sorts of different instruments, you're going to be creating solos for yourself as well. And, you know, we did this last year with a similar course I did called Jazz Blues Accelerator. And since then, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students have gone through that course and have worked through that course and are currently working through that course and are really benefiting a lot. And I hear lots of great things about the improvement people are having. So Minor Blues Accelerator will be no different. So if you'd like to learn more about that course that's coming on October 25th, go to minorbluesaccelerator.com. But also, if you're one of my inner circle members, you will have access to that a couple days early on Friday uh, the 24th. Wait, did I get that right? No, Friday the 23rd, you'll have access to that course. So also, you can become an Inner Circle member right now. They get access to all of my stuff and much more. So go to ljsinnercircle.com. All right? We'd love to have you as a member. We'd love to have you join us in Minor Blues Accelerator. But until then, let's jump right back into this strategy number two, core tones and scales. Okay, so this is exciting. Let's uh, start by reviewing what we did last time. Where I'm going to go ahead and play through that etude that I composed last time using the minor pentatonic and the blues scale. And if you didn't listen to that episode, I would highly suggest going back and listening to that one first, or you could come back to it after this episode as well, because there is a lot of important lessons and things we talked about there that I won't cover here, but we are building off of that episode in this one. So without further ado, let's go ahead and review what that etude we composed sounds like. Cool. So nice, nice etude, right? Like nice solo sounds good, sounds bluesy. And that's because we use some bluesy tools to make it happen. But we didn't just take those scales and like limit ourselves there, right? We, we made them musical and I feel like that shines through, but I want to start adding some more color. So first of all, let's talk about the chord changes because I want to add a few adjustments here to the chord changes themselves. We started with... D minor and a 2-5, concert D minor, and we even turned that into a dominant 7th chord to the 4 chord, which is D minor 7, then for 2 bars, D minor 7, and then back to D minor 7, the 1 chord, okay? Then we did a very bluesy thing. We did a tritone sub of two. So what's the two chord? It's E minor seven flat five, but instead we did a B flat seven, right? Tritone away. And then we did an A seven. I like to add an altered note to it. In this case, I'm adding a flat 13. And then back to the one chord, okay? So, you know, fairly simple. One, the four, we did the two five once in there. And then we did a tritone sub of two to the one chord, okay? Okay, but I wanna do is just add a few extra chord changes here. So we're gonna start by going the same as we did last time. So the D minor seven, the two five. 
Now I want to add a 2-5 to the D minor 7 with that D7 flat 9 alt to the G minor. So it's D minor 7 for one bar, 2-5, D minor 7 for another bar, then A minor 7 flat 5, D7, G minor 7, that's the 4 chord. Then I want to do a 2 5 to D minor 7, all right? So we're adding some more two fives into this progression. And then we'll hang out on that D minor 7. I want to stick with that tritone sub of 2 still. So the B flat 7 to the A7, back to the D minor 7 for this one. In strategy number 3 in the next episode, we'll probably expand upon that a little bit. But one more time just to make sure we got it. So 2, 5, one, two, five, one to the four chord, G minor, two, five to the D minor. Tritone sub of two, A7, the five chord, back to the one chord, okay? So are we clear about the changes we made? We basically added a few more two, five, ones to the one chord and a two, five, one to the G minor because I really want to outline that chord. Okay, so here's the challenge of this particular episode here. I want to take what I've done already and I don't want to just toss it all out and compose a new one. I just want to build upon it and I want to, you know, keep some elements of it and change some and they don't have to be big changes. Some of them could be small and subtle, but the main thing I want to do is be strict with myself about adding chord tones as the main focus, just making sure I'm hitting important chord tones in this solo rather than just playing pentatonics. And I want to apply some scales. Now, I'll go over exactly which ones those are so that we're completely clear up front. But first, let's just talk about chord tones. When we're talking about chord tones, we all have to know how to spell out every single chord. So for example, that one chord, or any minor chord, so that G minor seven two, it's root, flat three, five, flat seven. Right? So I wanna be targeting those chord tones. Now particularly, I always wanna be thinking a lot about the third and the seventh, the third and the seventh. Now why the third and the seventh? We call those the guide tones. We call them guide tones because when we target those in our solos, they're gonna help the chord changes pop out more and differentiate themselves from the other chords, especially if we're going from one different quality of chord to the next. So we wanna focus on that. Now that's a minor seventh chord. What are the other kinds of chords that we have? Well, we have the half diminished chord. So let's do the E minor seven flat five chord or AKA the half diminished chord. So what's the formula for that? It's root, flat three, flat five, and flat seven. So root, flat three, flat five, flat seven. So the important one in there is obviously still the thirds and the sevens, but it's that flat five there that makes it a half diminished chord, right? So you wanna be thinking about that. Okay, then we have dominant seventh chords, right? Okay, so any dominant seventh chord, right? It's root, major third, fifth, seventh, uh, flat seven to be exact. So root, major third, fifth, flat seventh. That's the A7 for your reference there. 
Okay, we want to be able to play those forwards, frontwards, and backwards on our instrument. So we need to know what those chord tones are. So I want to be thinking about those chord tones, and they're going to be my primary focus over and above the scales. Okay, over and above the scales, because to me, those are more important than the scales themselves. So we're going to go outside now of the minor pentatonic and the blues scale and add some more what I call pitch collections. So just some more note options. So what I like to do with scales is keep it super simple. Don't pick a million different options under the sun to play over different chords. It's really not necessary. So just pick ones that you want to um, to focus on. So a big common one in jazz for any one chord or a minor chord in general is the Dorian mode, okay? The Dorian mode, in case you're not familiar with what that is, you can think of it as starting a major scale on the second tone. So if we're playing D minor, all we have to think is, well, what is D, the second note of a major scale? Did that make sense what I said? I think so. Well, C major would be, right? Because C is the first note and D is the second note. Right, that's the C major scale, but the second note is D. So if we start the C major scale on D, right, that's a D Dorian. So I want to be thinking about that D Dorian because that's a really jazzy thing, really jazzy quote unquote scale to use, right? So then the G minor, I'm going to do the same thing. That's the four chord. I want to play the G Dorian over top of that, okay? So we got the Dorians covered. So that's what I'm going to, I'm going to use for the minor chords. Now, what am I going to use for the half diminished chords? The ones that I'm going to use is the Locrian mode. Now, again, uh, the Locrian mode, it's the seventh mode of the major scale, and that doesn't have to sound scary. Just think what scale, what major scale... Uh, would this particular chord be this or the root of this chord be the seventh of so if we have an E minor seven flat five which is one of our half diminished chords then that note that E is the seventh of some major scale and really all you have to do with that is just go a half step up right so a half step up from E minor seven or just E, e is F so really, we're starting and ending the F major scale on an E natural. Right? Okay, so that's clear right there. That's what we're going to use is the Locrian mode uh, for half diminished chords. But it's really not that hard because it's just an F major scale, right? Or in the case of the A minor 7 flat 5, right? What's A is the 7th of B flat. So we're just playing the B-flat major scale, but starting on that B, on that A. Okay, hopefully that makes sense for the modes. Okay, the last scale we have to worry about is the dominant seventh chords, okay? So for example, the five chord going to the one chord. What kind of scale am I going to pick for this? Now, in minor harmony, and this kind of is a little bit unique, when we have a 2-5-1 in minor harmony, oftentimes jazz musicians are... What, what we call altering different chord tones on there. So there's a flat 13 or there's a flat nine on that five chord. Or, you know, in rare occasions, there'll be like a sharp 11, right, sometimes. Or an, a combination or even a sharp nine, but a combination of any of those. So we call that an alt, uh, an altered seventh chord. And that happens a lot in minor two fives, right? It's just 
common to alter that five chord. So I want to choose a scale that is going to outline that. Now we could choose an altered scale. I'm going to choose one that's very similar to that, and that is the half whole diminished scale. And the reason I'm picking that is it really is actually an easy scale. A lot of people think of diminished scales as difficult, but they're not because they're just symmetrical. So a half whole diminished scale is really just half steps and whole steps. Right? So that's all you need to know, half steps and whole steps. So the reason I choose uh, that scale over top of a dominant seven altered chord is because if you look at it, right, this is the A7 altered, it really contains a lot of those altered notes in it. So root, we have the flat nine, we have the sharp nine, we have the third, we have the sharp 11 there, we have the fifth. Now we do, uh, we, we have the, the uh, 13th in there, um, but what you could do is add the, th the flat 13 in it as well. So it does skip that flat 13, um, but you can easily add that in there as long as you're aware of that, okay? So there's, of course, other scales to pick, but this one is an easy one for you to grapple your head around, okay? So um, I know that was a lot of information before we started recomposing our solo here, but just as a recap, we're using the chord tones as the primary uh, tool here over and above the scales because the chord tones to me are more important. But we're going to use some of those scales to outline some different sounds that are in them, especially when it comes to that altered that altered chord there. Um, okay, so does that all make sense? Are we clear on that? Do we understand how this is working? All right, so with that being said, we need to start recomposing this solo and i i will i have no clue what i'm going to do right now so i am right here along for the ride with you but all i know is i want to stay true to that bluesy uh stuff that i wrote last time but start putting a twist on it so as we know we start with uh, a pickup note a uh, pickup line and you know what? I don't actually want to change that one at all because I want to lead with the blues. I want to I want to lead with a big statement. And in fact, um, if you remember, there was only a few times that I broke some rules in uh, going outside of the minor pentatonic and the blues scale. And that would be that note right there. I added this little passing note right there. So maybe I cheated just a little bit last time. But what that note is... It's the third of the A7, right? So, so it's almost as if like right before the pickup note, we're playing a dominant seven A7 to a D minor seven. So, so that's the important note right there. That's creating some feeling as if there's a five chord leading to that one chord on beat one of the measure. So in a sense, we already sort of did have a chord tone going in there. That's great. Now, as you remember last time, we went... Okay, which is really great. I was mimicking that same idea, but adding some other element to it to uh, you know make it not obviously a repeat of the same phrase. But what we did skip with that line last time is that 2-5-1, right? Because it goes D minor 7. So this time, I think I want to bypass or just do something different for that 2-5. So we can stick... 
with that bluesy line to start, but then we have that minor, uh, E minor 7 flat 5. What am I going to do there? So, well, they're right there. I just came, came up with an idea that's really simple. So, how did I come up with that so fast? You may wonder. It's just, you play a lot of stuff. You play a lot. You've you know, done, experimented with a lot of ideas, it, you know, things just come. And it's a simple idea. And it really, what it's using here is the Locrian mode and the chord tones. So I start with a pickup note, which is a, a, a note in the Locrian, but then it's a pickup note that chromatically resolves to that flat five, right? We're talking about the chord tones, the flat five of that E minor seven flat five. So... And then I go ahead and play another chord tone there, and that is the flat seven. And then we have this Locrian note, it's just basically an octave of our pickup. And then we land on this, uh, this flat three. So really this is mostly chord tones here that I'm targeting with this line, with just that one Locrian note, which is uh, the A natural in there. So. And now this note right here that I'm playing, because we have one, two, three, four, right? We're splitting the measure with the E minor seven flat five and the A seven. So, so that note that I'm landing on right there is the flat 13. Now I, I know I did say the half whole diminished scale and it doesn't necessarily have the flat 13 in there, but you know, sometimes you gotta go where the music takes you. So I'm still thinking about that particular scale, but that's what I'm hitting right there is the flat 13. Now the next note I hit is the third of the A7. Okay, so again, I'm really thinking about thirds and sevenths a lot, the guide tones, which are the more important chord tones to think about, because those are gonna help really bring out the chord changes. You can hear that. And then what I wanna resolve to is the ninth of the D minor seven. So two, five, one, but it's, okay, so we land on the ninth, which is part of what? It's part of the Dorian mode, right? Okay, so again, I'm kind of really focusing on chord tones, but I'm using these scales for color, right? Isn't that interesting? I'm using them for color, not so much my entire direction here. And that's what's really important. Okay, so, so far we got... And let's just play that along with the backing track just so we can hear it. Okay, pretty simple. Um, okay, now one thing that I really liked from last time was this, was that really cool fourthy sounding line um, that I played with the minor pentatonic. So I'm wondering if I could keep that or marry that somehow. So. Does that work though? That's the main question. Does that make sense or does it sound like I'm piecing together ideas here?
So maybe if I went. Yeah, so what I'm going to do here is, that's what I played the first time, but... I'm going to hit this A natural note, so the root, and then go up to the ninth. And the reason I want to do that is because then I want to... I want to play that line, but it sounds like I'm really going out of left field by suddenly going down there. So I want to play a note in the lower register before hitting that ninth so that doesn't sound quite as weird when I go back down. At least that's just the way I'm thinking about it in my head. I don't know if that's actually right, but... Um, okay. Let's try that with the backing track because I want. I'm not entirely sure at this point if... I'm rhythmically going to be correct on that, so we might have to. Uh, I didn't really count through that, so we, we'll just hear what it sounds like. Okay. I think it worked. Um, it did work rhythmically, for sure, with the time. So that was fine. Um... It's hard for me to judge in this very moment if if that intervallic leap from that ninth down to the eleventh of the D minor sounds good or, or on. You know, I'm just going to stick with it for now. If I happen to come up with another idea uh, later that connects them a little bit better, then maybe I will. But right now, I think I'm just going to keep going with it. So I wanted to keep that part because I thought it was cool. Um, now we have the, the... This is where things change a little. Before, when we were going to the G minor 7, I just did basically a G minor pentatonic idea. And I mimicked the... By going... And that sounds really good, but this time, again, the challenge is I'm adding that A minor 7 flat 5, D7 all or flat 9, whatever it is, to a G minor 7. So I want to outline those notes here. So... That's a dominant seventh chord, so that wouldn't be quite in the low green for the A minor. So, Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so I'm coming up with an idea here. Bear with me. Um, let's see if it works with the time, because it's hard for me to tell right now. So basically, I want to go... Uh, okay, now... I'll explain that in one second, but before I go too much farther, I just want to make sure it works. So let's start from the beginning. Oh yeah, it works. It definitely works. Okay. So let's explain what I just did right there. So basically... We ended right there on the root of the D minor 7, but then we go to the A minor 7 flat 5. And all I did was I started walking up that Locrian mode. So that would be the A Locrian. Just up a half step there. Okay, so really just two notes. So it's this E flat to, um, uh, to or I guess, A Locrian, what do you call it? E flat. So to, uh, we'll just call it that for now. E flat to F. Right, so so walking up the Locrian mode there, then we switch to the D7. So two Locrian notes there, but important to note that that first note is actually the flat five. It's the flat five of the A minor seven flat five. So again, chord tones, that's what we're focusing on here. Then we land there on the third of the D7. Now this is critical, critical. That's what's really making that come out. And then the next note I play is the fifth. Okay, that's also a chord tone. It's not the most important chord tone, but then we hit the seventh, the flat seventh, right? So we're really just going up the arpeggio, so. Now here's the note that we steal from the half hole diminished. And that's the flat nine note which is, as far as related to the D7, is basically we're playing a D7 flat 9 here. And then I resolve down to the 5th of G minor, and it lands on the 3rd of G minor. So notice all these resolutions to the 3rds so far are really making those chord changes pop. So... Right? That's such a jazzy line, right? It's such a jazzy line. And, you know, that's just chord tones and a few borrowed notes from the Locrian, right? And the half hole diminished. In fact, there's only two notes borrowed. One note borrowed, that's the flat five, of course. And that is not a chord tone, but that is a note in the A Locrian mode, right? And then third, fifth, flat seven, A, uh, the flat nine there, which is the E flat, or I guess it's D, so we would consider this a D sharp or something like that. I'm not very good with my enharmonics always. Um, that's why I have people uh, engrave and edit my music. Uh, thank you, Brett, my music production manager. I appreciate you. Um, and so, yeah, flat nine there, which is bought from the half hole diminished, right? Um, but, oh man, how, how simple is all this, right? How simple is all of this? It's not that difficult. I'm really just really focusing on those chord tones and borrowing some notes here or there. So now we've arrived at the G minor here, and we, we have to figure out what to do next, because before what we did is we arrived there. So we, but we just got here from. So what I want to do is kind of mimic the, that sort of idea and go. 
So we're going to do that. But the issue here is that this time we only have G minor for one bar, right? Because now we have to go to a 2-5 of D minor. So that's really all I have time for on, on, D mi on G minor. So... to get to the D minor we went but this time we're we go we're going to an E minor 7 flat 5 so I think I want to play that chromatic approach though the same as I did before so we'll go right on a chord tone. We're gonna land in the flat five, which remember is kind of the important one for the half diminished. And then we're just gonna go up the arpeggio. That E minor seven flat five. Um, okay, I like that. So, okay, so we start here on the E minor seven flat five. somehow. I'm going to do what I did before and target that flat 13. So, so that's the flat 13. And then the third, right? That's the important one. And the root. And then if you remember, we really landed on something bluesy for uh, on the D minor. So I kind of want to do that again too. So my brain's turning here a little bit. Ah, uh, okay. So we went. Oh, perfect. Okay, so. Then we're just going to go straight down that blues scale. So that we're kind of still coming back to that blues, and it's sort of still staying true to the original etude because we did have a bluesy bluesy line there so let's see what this sounds like with the backing track from the beginning um hopefully i can nail the ideas i just came up with sounded good, right? <laughs> I liked that. Now, don't worry. I'm going to play this in, 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 in its entire... Well, I can't talk. In its entirety at the end uh, of the episode here. But let's keep moving on forward. Uh, let's go to the B-flat 7. Now, this is just an inherently bluesy substitution to add to a minor blues. So I'm, I'm sort of like... Especially since we went... Isn't that cool? So I kind of think it would be a little disingenuous to leave the blues behind here on this B-flat 7. So I might just consider doing the same line. Could maybe add like one more note, like the root in there. Let's not do that. Why take something good and change it? And 
essentially, what's kind of interesting about this is, if you remember from the last episode, I'm basically playing a D minor pentatonic over top of this B flat seven. But in this case, if you actually analyze what that is, the reason why it's that D minor pentatonic sounds good and the blues notes sound good over that B flat seven is because we start with the fifth, then we go to the third, and then we hit the flat seven, right? So, so they, it really just is the chord tones, actually, which is why, you know, it's kind of funny that it works both ways. That you have the D minor pentatonic, and also it works perfectly with just using the chord tones. So I think I want to keep that line the same. So... Right there, actually. So that is still the D minor pentatonic, but it's actually just we're going to the third and the fifth and back to the flat seven. So it really is actually playing the chord tones too, which I didn't quite realize. So the, the D minor blues scale essentially is just playing the arpeggios of the B flat seven. So I want to keep basically the exact same thing I did there last time in this etude. Um, now the next chord we have is the A7 alt. And last time we went... played um we essentially played the a pentatonic the a minor pentatonic over top of it so the notes that i used were did that little ornament there but is the the flat seven the fifth the root the eleventh or the fourth to the flat seven that's what i did since we don't have to play only the pentatonic, let's take take that fourth and bring it down a half step and make it a third. So it's so now we're really just playing the chord tones. We're still playing something bluesy, but we're adding that third in there to really make that A7 shine. And then let's end the same way on that D minor seven. So the last little bit is. Okay, so okay, I feel like I've I've got this composition down. We've added the chord tones, we've added the scales. Let's play the whole thing now um, from start to finish. Thank you. 
Right? Sweet! Okay. <laughs> that was it. Now, obviously, I need some real practice on it. Like, I, that wasn't perfect. And that's exactly what I would suggest you do as well, right? Like, I spent about 40 minutes here, a little less than that, 30 minutes working on this etude. Now it would be time for me to refine it and really get it under my fingers and in my memory here. So, okay, just to recap here, we basically took a very bluesy etude and added some chord tones and borrowing some notes from very specific scales that we set out to add a little bit more flavor. Now, did it change the etude? It did, but did it respect the original etude? I think it did, and I think it still has that bluesy sound shining through the whole time. So the really exciting thing, of course, is in the next episode, we're going to up the ante even more. We're going to apply strategy number three, which I'm not going to tell you what it is right now. You have to listen for next week's episode and take this thing to the next level. All right, that's all for today's show. Thank you so much for joining and hanging out with me today. Hope that you found this one helpful. Like I said, in next week's episode, uh, strategy number three is coming out for this etude that we're going to just keep building on it. Uh, And then the episode after that, uh, I'm going to share my minor blues mastery strategy, my plan for that, which is really going to be a great episode. Um, And essentially, I'm going to be sharing with you exactly the framework that I use in my minor blues accelerator course, which, like I said at the beginning of the show, is coming out on October 25th. 2020. So you can learn more about that course at minorbluesaccelerator.com. But all of my inner circle members will be getting access to that course a couple of days early. So if you'd like to become an inner circle member, you can do that right now. Go to ljsinnercircle.com. Learn more about it. We'd love to have you. Uh, It's a lot of fun over there in the inner circle. All right. Looking forward to next week where we're going to completely rock out this blues. Rock out this blues or I guess jazz out this blues even more than we have before. All right. Cheers. Happy practicing. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the LJS podcast brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.